0: Hey everybody! On this week, um, this week of guys talking sports, NFL draft is done. NCAA and some power conference teams are crying and complaining about N- NIL and the transfer portal, and NBA playoffs in the second round. Who looks good and who's in trouble? That and a whole lot more on this week of guys talking sports. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. Uh, we are here on another Thursday evening, ready to talk some sports, talk some shit, and as usual, crack a couple of jokes. Um, so before we get started, um, our boy Ace is uh, is taking a day, um, load managing, as always. Um, so it's just going to be me and Al rolling for the night. So, Al, what's good, man? How you
1: doing? Uh, it's been a long day, but... I'm ready to get started. Uh, we have a lot to talk about in sports, so let's, I'm ready. <laughs> well, let's get right down
0: to it. Um, NFL draft is over, NBA playoffs is on, and the NHL hockey playoffs just started. So we're gonna start off with the wrapping up of the NFL draft. Um, the rich got richer, the poor got a little bit poorer, and some teams had a pretty good draft. Um, so all in all, the draft had some surprises. Uh, the mm-hmm. first few picks did go as expected. And then there was some wheeling and dealing. And then after after that, not so much wheeling and dealing, but some teams helped them, helped themselves, some teams really didn't. And some teams had some head kind of scratching picks. Mm-hmm. So now um, um now that the playoff, I mean excuse me, now that the draft is over. Um, Was there anybody that you think really surprised you as far as picking some um, players out there?
1: Um, (laughs) Since I am in the local area, I have to give props to both the Giants um, and the Jets, um, because especially the Jets, actually, um, because the amount of years of the drafts has not always been the best when it comes to our, um, the New York local teams as far as some of the picks that were made. Um, but I think overall, this particular draft, I think they did pretty well. Um, I think that they made They did what they were supposed to do. Um, I know that they are receiving a lot of kudos um, from the sports media um, as well, the local sports media, I should say, and sports radio. Um, but I'm going to give credit where credit is due and say that it, Quite frankly, they didn't mess it up. <laughs> um, they, they drafted the players that they needed to draft um, to specify their needs. So I think that overall, I think they did a, a good job. And I think it's more surprising the fact that because of past experiences that they draft, there have been a little bit of some head scratchers when it comes to some of the selections that they made. But I think overall, this particular draft, I think um, both teams did particularly well.
0: I am with you right there, um, and as being a Giants fan, I will have to say I was um, I, I was quite pleased uh, with the picks. Um, we got the offensive tackle from Alabama, Evan Neal, which I don't think they were thinking they were going to get, um, but they did. Um, once um, the Jets um, pick, picked picked the cornerback Sauce, and I love that nickname, <laughs> um, then everything kind of started breaking their way. I was under the anticipation they were gonna go with Evan O'Neill to put another lineman to block uh Zach Wilson while he goes into year number two. But they opted to go for a cornerback, one of the top cornerbacks in the draft, and a cornerback I think um the G were kind of looking at. But the way things broke, um they got the offensive um tackle that they wanted. I mean they pretty much had to pick at a litter. Um so they went and got Thibodeau with the fifth round pick and that just and everything kind of fell in place for them. So the Jets had a pretty good pick. The Eagles did some work, and I was very shocked when they traded for A.J. Brown. Um, I, like many of us, did not see that one coming, <laughs> to say the least. Um, also, we saw that Hollywood Brown was traded from the Baltimore Ravens um, to the Arizona Cardinals. It had scratched to all of us at first, but then once we found, that, found out that D-Hop is not going to be there because of his uh, PED uh, positive test. I guess now we know why that happened. Um, But the one thing I was very surprised of was that the Pittsburgh Steelers went with um, um, Kenny Pickett at number 20 for quarterback and not Malik Willis, where everyone was um, anticipating or thinking that he would go there. So were you surprised at all that the Pittsburgh
1: Steelers picked Kenny Pickett over uh, Willis? I have to admit, I was um, surprised. But then after the explanation of it, it it made sense. Um, Because, like you said, all the talks was that um, Pittsburgh was going to actually pick Bullis um, instead of Pickett. Um, But, of course, Pickett being from, you know, I mean, going to Pitt and everything, it was just the writing was on the wall. So um, I think overall they decided to – go local, which was something that he dreamed of. So, I mean, to be honest, I'm, I understand the pick. That's where it is. Um, now it's going to be also, you know, of course, now it's going to be comparison. If Willis does do pro- or produce better than pick it. But I think overall what it is is that it's just going to, it, the, basically what it is is that because Willis fell so far in the draft, uh, that to me was a little bit more surprising as well. Um, but I think that Pittsburgh did their due diligence. And I think that overall they went with someone that was local. So I have no, I have no problems with the pick. I picking, done pick and pick it. I understand. I should say, um, them pick and pick it over Willis.
0: Yes. And as I, and I wish um, Ace was here as I kept trying to tell him no the giants weren't going to go for Malik willis as, as he'd been you know hoping for the last month and a half that wasn't going to happen <laughs> i mean yes they didn't pick up um daniel jones fifth option and that was smart but i was saying that they had a whole lot of needs and quarterback was definitely not on the top of that list unless there was a can't miss prospect that wasn't they had a laundry list of other stuff that they needed to get done but i think they did that um, but one person that did surprise me i think surprised A lot of people was um, the Patriots taking um, Cole Strange, the guard out of Chattanooga. Um, I think that was a really big head-scratcher for a lot of folks. Um, But when you're dealing with Bill Belichick, you know, (laughs) you can people can can have that debate about whether it was him or whether it was Brady to the cows come home. All I know is that they got six championships and Brady wasn't a GM for any of them. so so he was you know he he got you know you know he was the quarterback but the man bought the groceries and put that team around him that allowed him to you know to win you know six championships so people are going to sit there and complain about it i'm not going to complain about that much He, he he has a plan so we'll see
1: i'll put it like this out of any teams out there Bill Belichick will always get a pass, no matter what selection that he makes at this stage. He's earned that, and so if this is the player that he wanted, he picked them for a reason. So, and we will see. But I would not go against Bill Belichick in anything that he does, selection wise.
0: Yeah, and um, for me also, the Eagles' um, their picks really made me nervous. I mean, not just the AJ Brown trade, but they, but they definitely helped themselves with their picks. So um, I know there's been some talk about whether or not the Eagles have advanced themselves past the Cowboys. Uh, I think they're right neck and neck at this particular point. To me, I think Dak Prescott is still the better Q, the way better QB um, than Jalen Hurts. Um, but we'll see what happens with year two. Um,
1: but um, out of I have to I'm sorry, I have to admit that what the Eagles did in this draft definitely puts them in the contention at this stage. And more so because I don't know if the Cowboys really did anything as much to solidify them as the favorite in the East at this point as well. To be honest, some could argue that it could have been a, a sort of a slight drop in where they were this past season. So um this is going to be more competitive, which is something that the NFC East needs. Bottom line, so um, it probably be another year of all like three, three teams in the NFC East, um, all with an eight and eight record, or <laughs> a, seven, a one, or a seven, a eight or seven, or a seven or eighteen that just win the division. So I think it's going to be very competitive this season than it was in comparison to last season.
0: Yeah, a eight, eight, eight and eight, that's, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, but the top of the draft I must say was was um no QBs. It was top heavy with um linemen and wide receivers. So what do you think about the the goal rush on on wide receivers with the first fifty um with some in the first fifteen picks?
1: Well, I, I said this I, I I wouldn't say I said this, but um overall I believe that right now the veteran wide receivers are not as valued as they were before, obviously, Um, then they're losing a lot of value. Um, If this draft, if anything that was told out of this draft is that wide receivers at this point are a dime a dozen. Um, And all you need to do is just pick the right wide receiver, especially the ones that's coming out of college. So in all honesty, what it does, it solidifies that right now the QBs is still going to be the top offensive um, position as far when it comes to salary, salary rise. Um, quite frankly, I, I, me personally, I believe the offensive linemen should get paid more, but I digress. I think that right now as the quarterback driven league, I think that right now the running backs and the wide receivers at this point, um, their value is diminishing, um, especially if you get younger talent bought in and can virtually do just about the same as the veteran um, players can do. It's, it's it's becoming very telling, uh, especially what we learned from this draft.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with you to a gr- grip. I'm not going to say that it's being devalued. I'm saying that the teams don't want to pay them as much. Um, so you saw, I mean, you saw some of these contracts that was get doled out. You saw, you know, Tyree Kill. Um, you saw the kid from the from the Browns. Um, you saw all these receivers are getting paid,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a lot of these teams either don't or can't any of any in the case of um kansas city would he love to have kept Tyreek Hill? yes but once you gave patrick mahomes that money you couldn't pay anybody. somebody had to be a casualty of war and it was Tyreek Hill. so but like you but just like you said if you can find a cheaper just as productive replacement in the draft and you can catch him on that rookie deal then yeah i want to pay a rookie you know you know peanuts and then be able to you know get get your best bang for your buck in those first three years, as opposed to when he hits that next contract, he's going, they might want Tyree kill money and you might not be able to pay him. So yeah, we'll just want to get a new guy in and just, you know,
1: plug and play. Now, I completely agree to be honest with you is I'm very curious to see how the record will stand with, um, with both Green Bay as well as um uh ah, slipping me right now Green Bay and the comparison of Green Bay and who's the other um wide receiver um ah, slipping my tongue all right so I'm um, Green Bay all right what I'm saying is is that the, all right, since DeVonte Adams had left um and got traded and went to Oakland um, I'm very curious to see the record of Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers doing, dealing with now with some of the rookie wide receivers in comparison <laughs> to um, Philadelphia, whereas you have a rookie QB in Justin Fields and a veteran wide receiver with A.J. Brown. Mm. So I'm very interested to see how this comparison works because whoever comes off on top between these three these styles of teams is going to dictate the future um, in regards to where we going to focus more on QBs um, coming from the draft, or are we going to focus on um, wide receivers from the offensive side going forward? So it's a very interesting comparison between two different types of teams.
0: Yeah. Two different types of, and also almost two different types of uh, philosophies. Everybody's looking for that next. DK Metcalf or that next, you know, Jamar Chase um, that you can, that you can, you know, utilize and exploit as opposed to having a Devontae Adams having a Tyreek Tyreek Hill and those others that you're going to have to pay up for. So yeah, it's, it's two schools of thoughts and we're going to see what's going to happen. I I was laughing because the first pick wasn't a wide receiver. um, And the second pick was, so it was almost was like Green Bay was like, we bent over backwards. We gave you your money, but we're not going to pick a wide receiver just to snub you, rub your face into it, and say at the end of the day, we still run the show, not you. <laughs> and you can either complain about it, or you can retire, and you don't get your money.
1: I, I the saga between Gre- and Green Bay is just it's annoying. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Highly annoying, um,
0: but but let, let's touch back on, uh, on D-Hop. Um, he's out for six, was it six games? Six games. Six games for testing positive for a performance enhancing drug or a drug that, you know, uh, is in that performing enhancing realm category. Um, he said that, you know, he's very cautious of what he, you know, conscious of what he puts in his body and is not put anything like that, yada, 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 yada. Do you believe that he knowingly or unknowingly took something?
1: I, I don't, <laughs> I can't really say. and I, I don't, I can't, I, to be honest, I really don't know at this stage. Um, my gut tells me that he may not have known because um, he's not really habitual when it comes to that. But you never know what the, the players nowadays. So I, I will say this. Overall, I think that at this particular point, you should have a sense and know exactly what you can and can't take. Um, especially when with there's such of a list of things that you know is now banned. Um, that should be the first question I would ask. If I was if the doctor or any doctor pr- pr- provided or prescribed medication, the first thing I would ask is is it under the certain list of criteria? Me personally, I would have sent the list to the doctor and be like, Hey, look, I'm just letting you know I cannot take any of these medications or anything that's in this list. I cannot take or it cannot be contained in the medication. So whatever you can give me, you can't have this on it. Um, I just don't understand why players nowadays don't force that issue. Um, but then again, I, I you know I don't know how that that style is. But I think that you would be more proactive in knowing what you can and can't take. So you know, total ownership is on him. I believe that right now, you know, he's you know, there's no you did it, you did the crime, so now you gotta do the time, so to speak. So there shouldn't be no argument behind it. If it was a mistake, it is what it is. Um, but you should know going forward, like all players should know going forward what they can and can't take at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, um, you have team doctors. I mean, if you're a player, uh, mm-hmm. and I know the, 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 the amount of money that's being tossed out there for those new contracts, you know, you want to get back on the field and you want to get healthy as quickly as you possibly can. Um, and so I'm pretty sure a lot of players ride that rail as much as they possibly can but if you know you got some substance you have a team doctor you can always just you know hey you know doc you know I'm thinking about taking this stuff do you think it's you know okay you know either and they should tell you yeah it's okay or uh i don't know and if they say i don't know then maybe you shouldn't take it but do i think he knowingly put something in there uh, maybe he thought I, I don't know i'll have to think if you're putting stuff in your body you have to be smart enough and conscious enough to know if something that you're putting in your body is okay is not okay or you're not sure and if you're not sure and you're not getting you know and, and you're not getting um verification from your team doctor or somebody that you know you can do this don't take it but so much money out there cats want to take whatever they can to, get that edge, that competitive edge. And, you know, maybe he thought he could take something out of the masket, and he got dinged on whether the, the stuff he was taking a the or the extra stuff itself. I don't know. But I'm thinking he had at least some kind of knowledge that he was taking something that might be, but maybe he thought he could get by it by taking something else to mask it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I like you said, you said it perfectly. Like, at this point, you don't want to risk in this part a suspension of this magnitude because now, even though you're trying to come back, you may want to come back quickly, but now you got to be stuck and miss another, I mean, miss six games, um, which is virtually one third of the season because now you, you know, because now you risk it. And the way things are right now, NFL is a lot more thorough in their testing. So, like, this again, which I say, it goes back to the consequences because, like, quite frankly, you need to be on point with what you can and can't take. That's the bottom line. NFL ain't going to give you a break because you're stepping on that line. Once you cross that line, that's it.
0: That's it, and you're you're gonna get you're gonna get slapped, and you're gonna get tagged, and. Unfortunately, now for the Cardinals, D-Hop is out for six games. They did get Hollywood Brown. Um, He's not the same kind of receiver that D-Hop is, but at least that kind of helps cushion the blow. But this is still going to all play back and forth with the drama that the Cardinals have with Kyler Murray, who let's call a spade a spade. He wants the Sean Watson money. That's why he's acting a fool right now. He wants an extension, and he wants the Sean Watson money.
1: If he keeps this up, he's going to be in that same le- level as Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> With no team, no team willing to give
0: him. And that's just the most.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I meant to bring that up,
0: but, you know. <laughs> you know, Baker Mayfield may not be the best quarterback, but he's probably better than at least about a good 15 plus QBs out there. Like I said, like I said last week. Hell, he's better than Daniel Jones. You know, but right now he is a man without a job. He has a job, but he's a man that's going to be on an island. Cleveland Browns are stuck in purgatory. Either they can try to get a good deal, which no one is going to really give them a good deal. You keep them and then you pay them or you cut them, which they're probably going to wind up doing
1: is cutting them. I, I I don't know. I, I really don't know. I could see them actually staying pat. I because if they cut them, don't they have to pay them the full salary?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I think it cut them, I think the salary the salary is dead money or something to that effect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The one way or the other, you know that that money that they owe them is going to bite them in the you know it's going to bite them in the ass unless they can find someone to take. Take him and that contract off their hands,
1: but the thing, and from what at least from what I've been um hearing about sports reports, is the fact that um Cleveland is trying to find someone that's um willing to take all of this money, and teams <laughs> are like teams are like yo no you you know you know why would we do that and help you out <laughs> bottom line so I I really believe that. <laughs> I really believe Baker Mayfield is just really going to be at home, and which is going to be unfortunate um, because they're in a Cleveland's in a, a, a because of the Sean Watson suspension, Cleveland's going to be in a sort of purgatory for those games because because I don't that I don't see them using Baker Mayfield as a backup, so I'm wondering who they're going to utilize um, as their whoever their third string quarterback is who they uh, if they're going to be utilizing him th- for that first six or seven games or eight games that um, it's going to have, oh, gonna have
0: to be, um, it's going to have to be Jacoby Brissett.
1: And all, all while Baker is sitting home.
0: <laughs> and, and, and my last thought about this is that, um, I know a lot of people out there have been, don't like Baker Mayfield for a variety of reasons. And I know a lot of, you know, people out there, they like the way he played football. I mean, they like Stiles play, playing football. Maybe don't like the progressive commercials. Maybe they didn't like the way he handles certain things with the Cleveland Browns. I get all of that. But where I, and I actually him agree, to a certain extent, but where I draw the line is that where these people are trying to act like. The team actively shopped around for another QB that had twenty some odd cases floating over his head, and and they talk like he should be sit there and say, "I'm very thankful that I have a job. I'm very thankful, in spite that you're going out there actively shopping for another QB and not be pissed." I don't get any 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 other person, any other player will feel the same exact way as Baker Mayfield does. He just said it verbally, but he knew what was coming down. They were looking at Deshaun Watson and he really didn't start spewing off his stuff until all those rumors came about. Then they were trying to say, No, we're not really. He knew what was the case. So for everybody that's trying to say that, you know, Baker Mayfield should just be happy and not, you know, and not cause a scene, give me a break. And unfortunately, I think we just lost out of there for a second. So it might be right up to me. We'll give out a little bit of time. Uh, let's see if you're going to kick, kick back in in a couple of minutes, guys. So just hold on.
1: And he's back. Sorry. Got completely cut off for some reason. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm sorry, I completely lost where you were. <laughs> I was finishing up my rant for all of these commentators and former
0: players that are saying that um Baker Mayfield should be the good soldier and just sit there quietly in a corner um mm-hmm. and thank Cleveland Brown for the opportunity to play football while they were actively shopping for another QB when they said they weren't, and then gave him a, a a fully guaranteed two hundred million contract and they're wondering why he's pissed.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, like I said, like you said, um at this particular point Cleveland organization definitely didn't do um right by what they did. Um, but the point of the matter is, is that this is all a part of the the, the management aspect of it and um Players are looking at this. Players are going to watch this no matter what. So no matter what you do, how you handle your players is very important, Uh, especially if you're going to try and get free agents to come to the organization. Um, They may be okay with the players, but may not, may have a little um, uh, hesitant. They, They may be hesitant in regards to the Cleveland management and, that's something that you have to be on point with because you're still trying to get free agents to come. It's not just with the current team that you have. Eventually, you're going to need more free agents or better free agents or have the opportunity to get better free agents to come and um, be a part of your organization. So I think that overall, these are the type of things that um, the organization has to be mindful, for, mindful of, I should say. How you treat your players is going to be very important. It's no different from like a job treating their employees. So. Yep.
0: I'm right there with you. All right. Um, but before we get over to, to the basketball, the playoffs, I'm going to quickly roll into, co- you know, college football. It looks like um, the NCAA is trying to put some guardrails around the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness. And... The SEC and the Pac-12 are asking for help <laughs> to try to contain, you know, the NIL ruling with players moving and getting paid and being a trans supporter, uh, which me, I for those teams that are that are caused this issue, I have no sympathy for them at all because you in the NCAA itself caused all of this. So I'm just curious, Al, what, what are your thoughts about now with the NCAA in certain conferences asking for help about the NIL and the transfer portal?
1: Well, you knew that this was going to happen. Um, You definitely knew that this was going to happen. Because you know that they want to get control of everything at this particular point. And right now they're in a position where they really need to, um, (laughs) It, the NCAA wants to basically just get a sense of medium um, in that guards and stop the and I you know stop letting the players and the likenesses and the transfer portals, transfer transfer portals um, to just have a simple control of it. Um, I think that the rules that are in place or the lack of rules that are in place um, are lack of rules needs to be a little bit more enforced um, and to a certain extent. But there has to be a compromise, and um, I think that as long as the players and the organ- NCAA um, come to some type of compromise where they're both in agreement, I think that that's what the, I think that's what they're looking for at this point. At least from the organizational side of things, the players are happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, the card is you know the, the proverbial you know horses out the barn at this particular point. They you know NCAA and these college teams and coaches that were basically holding, you know, kids hostage and would just not allow them to do anything, not allow them to make any extra kind of money. But while they rate home all the millions uh, with the TV contracts and, the, you know, the sales, you know, you know, they for years were trying to, you know, get the NCAA to allow even the littlest bit of compensation or allow even the littlest bit of, players trying to get a little bit of money and he wouldn't and he wouldn't do it yet they were sitting there making millions off of the kids and the players so you can see with student athletes when when these multi-million dollar facilities going up and you're charging all this money and you're making billions i mean millions off of these tv contracts it is no longer an amateur sport it's semi-pro except oh. the, the athletes aren't getting paid and they can't move around now all this is out i mean it's it's there's nothing they can do about it now. They can, and no one's going to even try. I mean, the market eventually is going to correct itself, um, but it's not going to be the NCAA really correcting it. It will correct itself, not right now, but there's nothing the NCAA is going to be able to do hmm.
1: and, can, and can do. It's it's what's done is done. <laughs> yeah, and the NCAA is trying to is basically being greedy about it because they want that money as well. And right now they can't have it, so they're like, "We need to do something in that regards, is to get a little bit more control because right now they don't have that control."
0: <laughs> no, and 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 I'm sure Ace will definitely have a lot of say so on this, but um, definitely. <laughs> but hey, I mean, the tramsa portal it allows you know kids to move from place to place. I mean, now you don't have to. On the one hand. If you know you're going to be, if you want to get exposure and you know, you, you're going to be stuck behind, you know, one or two guys for one or two years, you can go from one school to another and they've been able to play. Um, and then the flip side, you have guys that don't want competition. They feel somebody coming in. They feel that heat and they want to jump jump ship and go to another school. So it's it's going to cut both ways. But, you know, this is how the new norm of college sports is. And, you know, it's. This is all this is the NCAA and you know certain conferences making. They created this now, they're gonna have to deal with it until things
1: balance itself out, yeah. And but the thing about it that I like about it is because it provides more balance, and that's really what was needed for the NCAA. It's not always good to have like the same five, six, seven teams always being um, in a top um 10. You know, what I'm saying like or in the playoff contention, let's say for college football or um, NCAA basketball. Now you have more of a balance where that any given Sunday that or any given game at this point, um, any team can be beat, which provides something that is definitely needed because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of fans out there that don't want to see the same teams over and over again in the same finals or playoff finals appearances. This provides that balance given so that other teams may have that equal amount of opportunity to make it to the finals or the championship games.
0: Yeah. my final point, the only people that are really complain about this is, is the top level blue blood, you know, college teams. Like you said, those ones that are always in the midst, always get your, you know, four or five star
1: recruits. It's those top echelons are the ones that are crying and complaining the most. Correct. Correct. And the thing about it is, is that because of the fact that, and to be honest, it's kind of unfair because you have some of the top team, the top players going to these top teams, but some of these top players don't even get that opportunity because they have to sit a year or two behind some of the seniority or the seniors or the juniors um, because they're playing their final games and final season. So it's like I said before. The players now are starting to say, all right, look, I could get a go to a place where I don't it doesn't have to be a top school, but I could go to a place where I have the opportunity to showcase what I can do. And it's just a matter of having the opportunity to show what you can do. And some players that are on top teams don't have that opportunity and missed out on that opportunity, which is one of the reasons why the transfer porter has become such a, a very important stage in college athletes. Um, career because now they have that option where if I'm not playing or don't have the opportunity to play like I was promised, I could go someplace else.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the, the top level schools don't hoard all the good players and they just keep, you know, reloading, reloading every year. And the middle and the lower tiers can never get any shine. And the top two teams always, you know, the, it'll be nice to see the BCS championship in a couple of years, not, you know, always having Alabama or Georgia in it or or ohio state it'll be nice to see other teams and right now those top coaches are fearing that nil and transfer portal is going to break is going to bust up that party
1: <laughs> top teams need to stop hoarding <laughs> that's the bottom line top teams need to stop hoarding
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're worried that they're going to have to sit there and actually have to do some recruiting and do other stuff like everybody else does. They just can't walk in and be like, oh, I'm from Alabama, Oh, I'm from Georgia, I'm from Ohio Mm -hmm. State, and then they just snap their fingers, and the player comes. Oh, now you got to compete with some other people.
1: (laughs) uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not what they was promised when they got there either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Um, But switching over, the the NBA playoffs is definitely in the second round. um, we definitely have some interesting um, playoff series going on. 76ers are down 0-2 to Miami Heat. Um, that's not a surprise. Um, Dallas Mavericks are down 0-2 to the Phoenix Suns. Not a huge surprise, but it's definitely knotted up 1-1 between the Boston Celtics and the Bucks, and 1-1 with the um, with the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. So. Not going to go to the to the um the teams that are up two and zero because I think the epitaph on both of those series are pretty much done at this particular point, but I'm going to focus on the one and ones. Um, out of those two series, which which who do you think is in the most trouble?
1: To be honest, I cannot even tell. Um. <clears throat> And the only reason why I'm saying it is because I think that both the one in one series at this stage can go at least six to seven games, without question. Um, I think that right now it's a matter of just the experience. I would put it. I would put it like this: Golden State and Milwaukee both have the experience, so they should win. But if Men- I mean, but, I, but if Memphis and Boston takes a hold of this series, I can see both of them in trouble. And I think that overall it's tough is this is really gonna be tough. I think that it's not gonna be a cakewalk as a lot of people seems think it is. I think that right now the two and three are playing like a two and three seeds like this is really gonna be one of those intense playoff games uh series for both um Phoenix and Memphis and definitely Milwaukee and Boston. I think that um. The experience should win out uh, between.
0: I think we might have lost Al there for a second as he kind of froze up. Let's let's, um, pause for a second and see if he kicks back in. Okay, we got it back, everybody.
1: Yeah, again, <sighs> I think I have figured something out. Going forward with this internet connection. Um, where did I stop?
0: <laughs> you were talking about the the Celtics and the uh and, and the oh, Bucks.
1: All right, real quick, the Celtics and the Bucks. I think that I think that experience should win out. I think that Milwaukee and Golden State should win both their series, but I would not be surprised if they don't. I'll leave it at
0: that. Uh, to me, um, I think the one that's the most trouble is really the Golden State Warriors. Um, hmm. um, I think there are the Grizzlies are are are, are a bad matchup for them. Um, sure. They're much more athletic, much faster, and bigger. Um, and to be quite perfectly honest, that series really could be two and zero in favor of Memphis Grizzlies if John ja Morant hits that, you know, that layup at the end. Um the Golden State Warriors, I mean, they're Clay has not really been playing that has has not played that well. Steph has not played that well. And now they lost um Gary Payton the second, who was the person that was going to be getting the main guarding assignment against um against um against John ja, ja Morant. Now he can't stop them, but he can at least be a body to kind of make things a little bit more difficult for him and kind of makes his shot selection a bit harder. And he can put us on buckets too. Um, but I think that's a bad matchup for the regular season. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, um, you know, took took it. Um, I think they beat them three and one. And I have a bad feeling. I don't know. This This is a bad series for Golden State. I can see Golden State losing in five. Wow! If Golden State loses Game Three, they lose a, I think they're going to wind up losing the series. Um, the Bucks, I think, will eventually win.
1: I think uh, if even with without even without Chris Middleton,
0: I was going to say I would have more faith if Chris Middleton was there. I think they still can beat them, but it's going to be very, very, very tough. Um Gian is gonna have to have John Morant type games and he's gonna have to get everybody else to step up. So my I think Memphis is gonna win. It's a toss-up between between um the Celtics and uh the Bucks.
1: Yeah. I think the Boston um head coach really got them playing really elite defense, um, which was needed. Um I think beyond Kind of missed that he was he left Brooklyn for um for that job, but I digress. Um I really believe that Boston has upped their game. Um that's why I'm i it's I really believe it's a toss up between Boston and Milwaukee. Um if I say this, if not Drew Holiday or Giannis, but if the other supporting cast continues to do well, then it shouldn't be a problem. Um but I can't I have to see more from the supporting cast. So, um, But like I agree with you, the Memphis in Golden State is definitely intriguing. And I really believe that, I think Steve Kerr can definitely pull it out. But I agree with you. Whoever wins game three definitely should have control of this series. And I think that's who I would root for or I could see pull out um, the series. So this is very important, especially for Memphis to win in Golden State. If they were to pull this off, then they should be in the driver's seat to win the series.
0: Uh, Agreed. They have confidence, and to to them, it wasn't like Golden State beat them in game one. From them, they you know even the comments post game after game one, Moran was like, "Well, I just missed a shot," and he knew they let one get away um, that they shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And in game and in game two, they won that game. So yeah. they're thinking it they should be up to 2-0 and probably should be, um, but we'll see. I mean, they're going to go to Golden State. You know how ruckus that crowd is. Yeah. Um, um. I don't think Kerr and Clay will shoot that bad, but I think they're going to really need a great series from Jordan Poole. Great. If Jordan Poole is the second-highest averaging scorer, I think that can balance things out. If Clay doesn't really play that well or play well in spurts, but if not, if this like, eh, I don't know. I think it's going to be five, maybe six. But I, I, I think Memphis is going to take this take this one.
1: I agree. I really agree. I agree. We shall see. We shall definitely see. And your boy Harden. <laughs> Everybody him. is writing his. That's everybody's
0: how... writing his epitaph.
1: That is not my boy. Um, (laughs) I I mean, to be honest, and I'll just say this about Harding. This is what y'all saw in Brooklyn to an an extent. So I don't know what made y'all think that he was going to go back to Houston, James Harden at this stage. Um, Even if, and I think a is going to be out game three as well. So, I tell you this: If Maxie and Harris, that's who y'all are gonna have to rely on. Bottom line: If you can't rely on Max Maxi or Harris, it's gonna be a sweep. It's gonna be a sweep. Even when, even if MD comes back on Game Four, it's still gonna be a sweep because you're going to need an outer world performance from both Harris and Maxi combined. You're not gonna get it from James Harden, so don't expect it. Um, and if you expect him to start shooting more shots, good luck with that, because that's not even going to be effective. He is not the Houston James Harden. I'm sorry, he is now the Brooklyn Nets last ten games James Harden. That's what you got going forward to look forward to. So,
0: and it's funny because everybody's like, "Well, he's not the Houston. Uh, he, he's not Houston Harden." I was like, well, yeah, he's not—he's not really Houston Harden. But the—the the, the NBA last year adjusted some rules, so he can't be—you know—the guy that just runs into the lane, throws up his arms, and—you and, and, know—initiates the contact and gets the—you know—gets the calls. They're not letting that go anymore. So now, once you take that away, then all he has is step back jumper. Now a step back jumper is not working. So now you know he's not going to get the call going to the lane. What do you got left? <laughs> you don't yeah. got much and his level of play you could tell from the time once they adjusted you know adjusted the rules and not allow those type of plays his his production just went like this so uh, it'll be nice if you can have Houston Harden but you need to have Houston Harden rules back a couple of years ago for him to be really <laughs> effective The new rules now don't allow him to be the man like that. And maybe Father Tom caught up to him. I don't know, but it's, 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 it don't look good. And it's not going to end good either.
1: No, no, I completely agree. It's not, it's not going to end good. And I think that everybody was getting their hopes up um, when it came to Harden when he went to Philly. And I said it before like your whole, and to be honest, now, I, and to be honest, it, it makes sense because now I understood why they didn't give up Maxi in that trade because, quite frankly, that's who I wanted back uh, for James Harden. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, I think that Maxi at this point should be your focal point with James, I mean, James, with Joel Embiid. Um To be honest, it's good to see Tobias Harris. Um, showing up in the playoffs because, quite frankly, they needed him to step up. And he was do- he's was he been doing it in a big way. So I got to give him respect for that. Quite frankly, I want to see if he's going to actually want to stay in Philly now, uh, especially after the beginning of the season when they was trying to get rid of him. Um, but I digress. Philly fans know that they were trying to get rid of um, Tobias Harris. They wanted him gone. Um, but here we are. And now Tobias Harris is now providing the offense that you guys need not saying you guys, but the Sixers fans need um, to stay alive in this in the game. So I think that overall they're going to have to um, revamp some things. But it has to be off of the offense of um, Maxi and Tobias Harris. Um, James Harden needs to just be the facilitator. If he could just be the facilitator. And not rely too much on the offense of like the step back threes and stuff like that because the Philly style is not predicated to James Harden, and you can't just change it to a James Harden offense overnight. You got to stick with what you brought well, you to the table, and if they do that and focus primarily on their defense, they should be it should be a it should be much more competitive. Um, but Miami is definitely doing Miami, and they can't stop Miami's offense. It doesn't matter what happens; they're still going to get swept. Um, and to be honest, they're getting balanced scoring, and that's what's making it even harder for them, because you're getting, the last game, you got Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, you got um, Victor Oladipo off the bench, um, and you got Bam, so you're getting all this balanced scoring, and quite frankly, they haven't utilized all their shooters, because Duncan Robinson has been on the bench for these past couple of games, and he has yet to even shoot the lights out, so it, their offense, Miami's offense is on all cylinders, and it's much more balanced. So they really need to focus on the defensive side of things and how they stop Miami's offense, because if they can't do that, it's still going to be a short series. Sorry. I was going to ask about Duncan Robinson. It doesn't look like he even broke a sweat. I'm like, did you even come out and play? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, they, they – they, um, yeah, he hasn't been – it's not like coaching – I mean, Spoltz just hasn't put him in that's really what it was because he's getting so much positive production from everybody else. Like, it's like, you know, all right, we can put you, you know, have you sit down at this point. We'll need when we need you, then we'll bring you aboard. But it, he, Duncan Robinson is just like chilling at this point, Victor Oladipo is giving him a, a lot of quality minutes and gave Vincent, um, shooting the lights out. So, Like, they're getting all this balanced scoring from everyone. It's like a collective um, team effort. So, Jimmy Butler don't have to score as many points as an All-Star should. And, excuse me, and now you have Tyler Hero off the bench. Gabe Vincent is producing. P.J. Tucker is being P.J. Tucker. Like, they have what it takes, quite frankly, to sweep.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 as in the NBA, when you have a lot of players that can all score, and you get balanced scoring from all your peoples and your bench, it's almost virtually virtually impossible to guard because you can't focus on one or two people exactly. when everybody is shooting the lights out and, and and um getting to the getting to the basket and hitting buckets. So, exactly. So yeah, it's Seventy Sixers. You got you got you got your guys' work cut out for you. Big time,
1: <laughs> correct. Especially when all your shooters are not shooting. So, or let me say, let me rephrase that: when all your shooters are shooting poorly. So, like when your three point shooting is bad for Philly, it's never a good look. Um, James Harden, of course, is not shooting well. Um, Maxi wasn't shooting well. Um, their forward Yang um, has been brutal um, his three point shooting. So, like, quite frankly, you miss Seth Curry. So. <laughs> All that to be said that Miami is just you're just making Miami's life a little bit more easier, um, especially if you're not hitting your shots.
0: Yep, and who knows? We might find out by this time next week. Uh, the Sixers might be packing up their
1: lockers and and and, and heading to wherever. <laughs> yeah. And I will say this because I know that the rumors are out there real quick that, quite frankly, they may do that, may let go of Doc, but they may not get the coach that they want. So if they were to exit out the um playoffs um and if they were to let go of Doc I, and if they think about getting Dan Tony, he may not be available because I mean, so, he, he's on a coach he's on the um final list of a lot of coaching position um jobs out there.
0: Yeah, his his name has been has been out there and uh you know if they do let let Doc Rivers go, I mean yes, Doc Rivers has some questionable playoff series and playoff loss losing you know being up 3-1 and losing but in this particular series i don't think there's really much you can do when you're when your your mvp forward goes out and the guy that you brought in is just not been playing that well and hadn't been playing that well since you got him to philly i mean let's call it spade to spade so he might get ran out of philly but at least this one wasn't i don't it's not on him
1: yeah without question this one wouldn't be on him. There's, I mean, yeah, that's true. This would not be on him. Um, but I will say this: if they were to let him go, they're gonna have a difficult time finding a head coach that could replace or be on that same. Well, um, then again, maybe not. There are some coaches that have the pedigree of same as Doc Rivers, so we shall see. Frank Vogel. <laughs> that's the first thing that came up when I said when you when you said that. Uh, that, that he has that pedigree too so
0: yeah well we shall see all right we have um coming up and up, up ugh, we have came up on our time um so with everybody want to thank you for uh subscribing um we did get some chats um up in our call today um i can't discern what they were about but we did get some chats <laughs> but um before we before we roll out let me know what they can find you
1: uh you can find me on twitter and instagram i am our quals twitter instagram i am our Qualls.
0: uh for me you can find me on snapchat snapchat twitter and the gram je ross the number seven and as always thanks for subscribing um listen out to us we're all on the platforms and until next time love
1: peace and soul God bless everyone. Have a good one.